VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And good afternoon. Welcome to Crosstalk here on VCY America. Ladies and gentlemen, this coming Monday, February 12th, is the birthday of Charles Darwin, born in 1809. Happens to be the same day that uh, former President Abraham Lincoln was born. But unlike Lincoln, Darwin was a promoter of evolution. And Darwin's teachings have been promoted throughout our society and educational settings. They're promoted all across uh, this nation, around the world, in museums. And uh, they're on television specials. And sadly, ladies and gentlemen, they've been adopted by many religious denominations and in many churches. But who exactly is, was Charles Darwin? What did he believe? And why are churches falling prey to this errant teaching? Well, joining us today, we welcome to our studios Jay Siegert, who is the founder and managing director for the Starting Point Project. He does hold degrees in both physics and engineering technology. He is an international speaker and author. He conducts trips to the Grand Canyon, is president of Logos Research Associates. It's the world's largest group of scientists who are Christians and, hear that folks, and biblical creationists. He's a speaker for the Creation Science Association of Fiji and has been speaking on science and the authority of Scripture for nearly four decades. Jay, welcome here to Crosstalk. It's always great to be on the program. Well, Jay, it is good to have you here. And uh, to set the stage here just for this upcoming weekend and for our discussion, it was back in 2004 that a man by the name of Michael Zimmerman uh, was uh, engaged in fighting a school district in the state of Wisconsin, the Grantsburg School District, and uh, evidently didn't like creationism uh, taught. And so he decided to get together clergy uh, to uh, sign a letter together. He boasted at that time he had 200 clergy that uh, signed a letter to the school board, the Grantsburg School Board, and uh, as a result, they retracted their policies on teaching creationism. So he was encouraged by this, and, and others then encouraged him, hey, just, you know, you need to take this nationwide. So he started the Clergy Letter Project and uh, wanted churches to celebrate evolution on the Sunday closest to Darwin's birthday, which is most typically the second Sunday of February. So from 2006 to 2007, they celebrated what they called Evolution Sunday, sometimes referred to also as Darwin's Day. Uh, and then that was expanded to Evolution Weekend from 2008 to 2022. Then in 2023, was changed to Religion and Science Weekend. And I, I just was on their site of, uh, before the program here, and Jay, the, here's what they said in recent years. A strong strain—this is before they changed it to Evolution and Science Weekend—they said in recent years, a strong strain of anti-science sentiment and an often-associated resurgence of religious fundamentalism has persuaded members of the Clergy Letter Project to broaden their horizons. Indeed, membership voted to look beyond evolution and articulate the position that there are a host of issues about which religion and science have come to similar conclusions. And then they say that promoting the compatibility of religion and science broadly helps the public to gain a better understanding of religion and demonstrates that the narrow fundamentalist perspective so much in the news does not represent mainstream religious views. Similarly, promoting the compatibility of religion and science broadly helps the public appreciate the importance of a scientific worldview. It's not surprising at all. It's unfortunate. But, you know, when you talk about a a narrow view, they're concerned about what, what do the majority believe? Well, we don't really determine truth by voting, mm -hmm. and we're not surprised that the majority of you know religions out there and even some Christian denominations are kind of bent towards evolution. Evolution is largely accepted by the secular society and uh, all the professors in the universities and most of the teachers in the school system. So it's certainly popular, and if you want a lot of people to come to your church, you can't deny what these people are believing. So I say, of course, you can have the best of both worlds. You can come to our church and learn all about religion and God, mm -hmm. but you'll also be around fellow people who are smart and they accept science because science has proven evolution. In, in their minds, they believe that. And so it's it's not surprising to me that you got the syncretism going on of you taking the, quote, the best of both worlds. Although when you're talking about religion in general, it's really not the best because it's not really biblically related so much. And you're certainly not taking the best from the scientific a world either, because the best science we have does not support uh, Darwinism 
or Darwinian evolution. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be looking at a, a letter that the clergy members are signing on to uh, here in just a bit, but help us understand who was Charles Darwin. Sure. It's interesting. A lot of people think, well, yeah, we know Charles Darwin. He invented evolution. Well, he didn't invent it. The idea had been around quite a while. In fact, there's a lot of evidence he actually plagiarized from Patrick Matthew, and we don't even need to discuss that because whether he did or didn't really has no bearing on whether evolution is true or not. It's just very interesting. So he didn't invent evolution. He just made it uh, seemingly more popular and plausible, and he didn't do it in a vacuum. In fact, he was actually initially trained as a theologian, which is very interesting, but then he had some things happen in his life, including the death of a daughter at a very young age, made him kind of bitter towards God. So he had a reason for kind of getting rid of God if you're going to get rid of God, you need to be able to explain things apart from the supernatural, and that's kind of the premise behind the origin of species, explaining the natural world around us without uh, leaning towards God or anything biblical. Mm -hmm. And matter of fact, his book on the origin of species, By Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. It appears he was some sort of racist there. Well, evolution can be easily shown to be a root of racism, uh, a lot of books written back then, again, his was written in 1859. A lot of books had longer titles, but you know them by the short title. In fact, sometimes we just call it Origin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even though it's Origin, right. the whole title you just right. read, which includes the struggle of the races. And evolution is a basis for racism because evolution talks about survival of the fittest. Those are that are more, more fit, uh, last, and can out-compete uh, the others. And even today, some would be maybe further developed than others. And if you want to just keep the good ones, well, if you deem a certain group or race as not as fit, you might want to get rid of them. Hitler himself loved the idea of evolution and um, wanted to actually dedicate his book towards to, to Darwin. Um, so his idea was, yeah, you have different, quote, races of people. Some are further along. He literally had a list of people as to how human they were. And at the very top, you have the Aryan race um, and the Germanic race. And you go down the line, you eventually get to some of the Polish people and the blacks and the Jews. And by the time you get to the Jews, they're almost 50% ape. They're not really even human. So you don't want them reproducing. So he had a plan to get rid of groups of people. And we know he did it. And it was all based on the idea of evolution. Now, there's another person who was influenced by this as well, and her name is Margaret Sanger. Oh, yeah. With Planned Planned Parenthood. Right. <laughs> Big time. She was very, very racist. And a lot of the programs we have in the inner city today mm -hmm. don't help people in the inner city at right. all. They think it's helping, but it, it never, ever does. They just ask for more money. They get more money, and it, it gets worse. Yeah, and, and she was very much in opposition to the black population flourishing. And, and uh, you know, we have to, uh, you know, look at the very racist origins of Planned Parenthood. And, and today we still see it. I mean, you'll, you'll go to the, uh, the area of central cities and that's where you're going to find Planned Parenthood, you know, continuing to, to uh, exterminate. And, and that's what her view was, was exterminating uh, what she felt was a inferior population. Yeah, there is an agenda behind there. It seems like, oh, it's just a woman's choice. No, there's argument against right. that. We won't go that route right now, but there's an agenda with Planned right. Parenthood, and it really is racist. Um, who was Dar Darwin's authority, or what was his authority? Well, his authority, I mean, started out, you know, being God. He, in fact, there was a guy named William Paley who wrote a book called Natural Theology, you know, natural, referring to nature and theology, the study of God. The idea was studying God through nature, what he created. It's kind of what science used to be called natural theology. And so Darwin, before he wrote The Origin of Species, he had read Paley's book, and he just loved it. In fact, there's a quote from Darwin. He said, I do not think that I hardly ever admired a book more than Paley's Natural Theology. I could almost formally have said it by heart. Now, he said that when he was studying at Cambridge, you know, as a theologian, 1828 through 31. Um, but then again, he obviously had a change in his life. So his authority initially was God and maybe even biblical basis there, but he specifically wanted to get away from that. And again, if you get away from God, you need to still explain everything around you, but now you have to come up with natural processes. So the origin of species is all about explaining how do you get natural things if you don't have God creating things and designing them. Did he deny the very existence of God? He didn't. There's really no indication he was actually an atheist, but he certainly was anti-God in his revelation of Scripture, and he was very much in favor of anyone who 
also came along. In fact, really quickly, when Darwin wrote The Origin of Species, he didn't do it in a vacuum. He didn't wake up one morning planning on playing tennis, but it was raining out. So he said, oh, I guess I'll write The Origin of Species. Two things very, very briefly that were going on prior to him. Uh, James Hutton, he's considered the father of modern geology. He came along and he said, when you look at the natural world around you, specifically the geology and all that, you can only resort to natural processes we observe today, the slow wind, rain, and a little bit of erosion here and there. You can only resort to those to explain the physical features of the earth. Well, you've got tons and tons of sedimentary layers all over the planet. If those layers accumulated by what we see today, the slow processes, that would take millions and millions of years. And that was his point. And it was a philosophical decision to do that. They didn't discover something in science that forced them that direction. He decided he didn't want supernatural forces, mm. just natural forces, which means the earth isn't young. It's got to be very, very old. The year he died, um, Charles Lyell, another guy was born. He wrote a three-volume series called Principles of Geology. And he stated his goal in writing those volumes were was to free the science from Moses. Well, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So he's saying, we got to get away from the biblical narrative creation account and the flood just explain everything naturally. Darwin took one of those volumes on the Beagle's voyage, and he said if these guys could explain the physical features of the earth through natural processes over these, quote, newly discovered millions of years, he, Darwin, might be able to explain living things through natural processes over the millions of years, and then we get the origin of species. Jay Seeger, our guest here today on Crosstalk. Uh, so, Jay, in our next segment, we're going to read this letter, uh, the clergy letter here, but what is the draw? What is the draw for for religious circles, for churches, for clergy to to come alongside Darwin and adopt his beliefs. Sure. It's basically a spiritual issue. Ultimately, uh, you either go by God's standards or you go by your own. Well, God's standards are pretty high and kind of convicting. A lot of people just don't like that. So religion, as I say, difference, religion is man's idea of God. The Bible is God's idea of God. Uh, God's standard is 100% perfection, and it can only be resolved through a relationship with Jesus Christ, all other religions are you make up some standard, and it just so happens the standard other people make up is something they themselves can achieve and they feel good about themselves. So there's a draw to draw your own standard, raise that up so that you can meet that standard, and then still have fellowship with the world. If the world tells you evolution's a fact, you can say, hey, no problem. Yeah, I believe there's a God, and God must have used evolution so you can kind of get along in and, and all these circles versus saying, wait a minute. God's the ultimate authority. He's given of his, his word. What does his word say? Am I going to believe that? Mm-hmm. Or will I turn somewhere else for an ultimate source of authority? Doesn't Scripture teach that friendship with the world is enmity with God? <laughs> it's pretty clear, and it's as narrow as a way you know yeah. that people mm-hmm. find. So when you are into something that the vast majority of people believe, that might be a red flag that is probably not biblical. <laughs> Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Our guest today is Jay Siegert, who is founder and managing director for the Starting Point Project. Ever hear of it before? We'll tell you more about it right after the break, as well as a letter that thousands, at least they tout thousands of clergy members, are signing on to this letter and, uh, well, really denying biblical authority. We'll tell you more about that after the break. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, when we look at humanity, where do all the different skin colors come from? Chris, of course, all our traits are controlled by our genes, and they've always been quite mysterious. Now, as the human genome has been decoded, the mystery of the origin of skin color has not been solved. We can't figure out what controls the genes. Evidently, there's something behind the genes that turns them on and off and controls how long they operate. Here at the Institute for Creation Research, we're researching this, and I predict that many of these plaguing problems will soon be solved. One thing for certain, it won't be solved by claiming the genes randomly mutated. They were created by an intelligent designer, the designer that's mentioned back in Genesis. To find out more about creation science, visit us on the web at www.icr.org. That's www.icr.org.
You're listening to Crosstalk on BCY America. Our guest today is Jay Siegert, and he is the founder and managing director of the Starting Point Project. We're talking about Religion and Science Weekend. Uh, This coming Sunday, second Sunday of February, is one in which uh, churches observe this, and not my church, thankfully, but there are churches that are doing this. Um, Jay, before we get further into this topic, uh, tell us about the Starting Point Project. Uh, Tell us about your ministry. Sure. Well, the name comes from the fact that everyone has to start somewhere with their belief system. It's impossible to not start somewhere. So uh, Christians start with the belief that God exists and the Bible is the Word of God. And then we use that starting point to define everything else, what science and logic are, philosophy, ethics, morality, all those things are defined by our starting point. A skeptic would have a different starting point probably don't even realize they have one, but if they think it through, they'll tell you what it might be, and then you can just ask them, you know, what made you choose that? Why are you confident that's that's going to help you accurately define everything else? So for us, our starting point is involves the authority of God's Word, so we always turn to it no matter what question comes up. What does God's Word say about it? So we mainly travel around the U.S., but in nine other countries, uh, we don't charge for our talks. We have Grand Canyon tours, free videos, so if you go to the Starting Point Project, com. You can see all those resources. Okay, again, that's thestartingpointproject.com. And occasionally you send out an email as well. A and, free email newsletter, yes. Right, so how our listeners can sign up for that? Yeah, right on the homepage there's a button there they can click, and, and it comes out once a month, and there's a article, question of the month article that's in there, and they can see your speaking schedule and links to our Grand Canyon tours and everything else. Yeah, that's something that comes to my email box here. Sure, okay. And uh, friends, it can come to yours as well. All you need to do is go to the starting point project.com, thestartingpointproject.com, and uh, you'll see more information about the ministry there, but also can sign up for those emails uh, that come out on a monthly basis. So we're talking about this Religion and Science Weekend. Started out as Evolution Sunday, then Evolution Weekend, and then migrated to Religion and Science Weekend. And they're boasting uh, this this uh, going, again, back to its founding and and uh, petitioning a school board with uh, a letter that uh, they're boasting 200 clergy members signed onto it. And keep in mind that topic, uh, when I say clergy, that is a very broad uh, uh, dissection from many, many different denominations. But uh, they said, take this nationwide. And so we did and founded this clergy letter project. And they have an open letter concerning religion and science that American clergy are signing on to this letter. Now, I'm going to share, friends, with you the, the contents of the letter itself, but also keep in mind that they are boasting uh, nearly 16,000 clergy members have signed on to this. Now, I'm guessing they're not starting from scratch year by year, but they're taking all the clergy signatures from yesteryear and building on to that. Would that be your guess as well? Oh, yeah, it's just a cumulative thing, and it, it shouldn't surprise us. You know, the vast majority of churches would probably not be churches who would be really concerned too much about Scripture, so we would expect something like this. And you mentioned again earlier, broad is the way that's leading toward destruction, and and narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. Mm -hmm. But let me share with you listeners the the content of this letter, and then Jay is going to comment on it. So this is a clergy letter from American Christian clergy, an open letter concerning religion and science. Here's what they state. Within the community of Christian believers, there are areas of dispute and disagreement, including the proper way to interpret Holy Scripture. While virtually all Christians take the Bible seriously and hold it to be authoritative in matters of faith and practice, the overwhelming majority do not read the Bible literally as they would a science textbook. Many of the beloved stories found in the Bible, the creation, Adam and Eve, Noah and the Ark, convey timeless truths about God, human beings, and the proper relationship between creator and creation expressed in the only form capable of transmitting these truths from generation to generation. Religious truth is of a different order from scientific truth. Its purpose is not to convey scientific information, but to transform hearts. We, the undersigned Christian clergy from many different traditions, believe that the timeless truths of the Bible and the discoveries of modern science may comfortably coexist. We believe that the theory of evolution is a foundational scientific truth, one that has stood up to rigorous scrutiny and upon which much of human knowledge and achievement rests. To reject this truth, or to treat it as one theory among others, is to deliberately embrace scientific ignorance and transmit such ignorance to our children. We believe that among God's good gifts are human minds capable of critical thought, and that the failure to fully employ this gift is a rejection of the will of the Creator. 
to argue that God's loving plan of salvation for humanity precludes the full employment of the God-given faculty of reason is to attempt to limit God on active hubris. We urge school board members to preserve the integrity of the science curriculum by affirming the teaching of the theory of evolution as a core component of human knowledge. We ask that science remains science, that religion remains religion, two very different but complementary forms of truth. Jay, there's a lot to unpack from there. Oh, we could go on for hours and hours. It's hard to know where to start, but just one concept is that they say the Bible conveys timeless truths about God, you know, to us. And we can use human reasoning to figure that out. Well, if we're smart enough to reason through things, why wouldn't God be smart enough and talented enough to communicate what he really means? But they say, no, he actually is communicating all about himself by telling us stories that aren't true, things that never happened. God did not create things in six days. He did not create Adam from the dust of the ground. He did not have this worldwide flood in his judgment. So he wants us to know about him, so he makes up stories that never happened. Mm. That makes no sense at all. And when they say they don't take the Bible literally like they do a science textbook, um, we take the Bible in its context. And Genesis is written as literal, historical Hebrew narrative. It's saying it actually happened that way. Um, I'm not the smartest person on the planet, but I could easily write a book describing how the world was created. If if God used evolution and Big Bang and all those things, I could describe that briefly if that's what he used. God would be able to do that too, but he didn't do that. He actually said that he created things in six days and Adam was from the dust of the ground. Creatures reproduce after their kind. They don't morph into every other life form on the planet. And there was actually a worldwide flood about four and a half thousand years ago. That's what scripture teaches with the context there. To say that that's not true is to go somewhere else first and say, whatever I'm hearing from these other people who don't necessarily even believe in God, I'm going to take that, then I'll go to God's Word to figure out what he really meant. Yeah. In this letter, they actually take the human mind and elevate it above the authority of Scripture. Yeah, we can use our own reasoning to figure out that God didn't mean what he wrote. So that means that God said, hey, Moses, write all these things down, and I know that people are actually going to believe what you're writing, and I kind of cringe, but eventually... You guys will have modern scientists to tell you, I didn't mean anything like that at all. I meant something very, very different. So you just have to be patient for thousands of years until you have those modern scientists to tell you what I really meant. Yeah. Um, And and again, this is clergy really asking for schools to indoctrinate students as well. Yes. And what's also interesting is, in a sense, they're trying to appease the secular world. They're telling the world, hey, you guys are smart. We recognize that. We're not dumb. We accept your science and we could fit it into our religious beliefs, no problem. Well, here's a very interesting response as to one person as to, is he impressed with that? Is he impressed with the attempt of religious people to bring evolution into their religious beliefs, and specifically the Bible? This comes from none other than Richard Dawkins, arguably the world's leading atheist. Hmm. I always say I like Richard because he's just pretty straightforward. He says what he believes as an atheist. So I'm going to read a quote, and the context is, It's Richard Dawkins' response to those Christians and religious people who say God used evolution and it fits in with Scripture. So this is what he said. I'll do the quote, unquote, so you know when he starts and stops. He said, quote, Oh, but of course the story of Adam and Eve was only ever symbolic, wasn't it? Symbolic? So in order to impress himself, Jesus had himself tortured and executed in vicarious punishment for a symbolic sin committed by a non-existent individual as I said, barking mad as well as viciously unpleasant. It seems to me an odd proposition that we should adhere to some parts of the Bible story, but not to others. After all, when it comes to important moral questions, by what standards do we cherry-pick the Bible? Why bother with the Bible at all if we have the ability to pick and choose from it what is right and what is wrong, unquote. Hmm. He's not impressed. And how I say I would pay good money to go on a speaking tour with Richard to say, Richard, tell the audience that thing you told me because you understand this better than most religious people and even many Christians. You know, what's amazing, it really goes back to Genesis chapter 3, that question that was asked in the garden, yea, hath God said, questioning God's authority. It it all comes down to that, hath God said, what did he say? And too many, again, religious people and, and even Christians, I'm not surprised religious people do it. It's a little more frustrating when Christians who are attending even decent churches mm-hmm go a different direction because I could ask them, but what does Scripture say? 
And I, I've talked to a lot of what we call theistic evolutionists, people who believe that God used evolution. And I ask them, can you show me from Scripture why you are so confident God used this evolutionary process? Well, I mean, we got radiometric dating in this. I, said, I, I get that. We'll get to that. I love talking about that stuff. What is it in Scripture that is so convincing? Well, I mean, you get the Big Bang, and it's like, again, that's the science thing. We'll get to that. Can't wait. But from Scripture, what is so convincing? The vast majority don't know. They've just been told by someone else there are smart, well-meaning Christians who have figured out it fits and they're just fine. So they just repeat that themselves. They're not convinced about evolution and that it fits with the Bible because of what Scripture says. They're just told by everyone else evolution's a fact. If you reject it, you're not a smart person. They want to be a smart person, so they accept it. They just say, well, it must fit in the Bible somehow. Mm-hmm. Jay, I've, I've uh, aired this once before here on Crosstalk, but I think it's very fitting I do it again, and it is that of uh, some comments made by Andy Stanley, who oh, sure. pastors a church. And I'm going to play two clips from him. I'll, I'll play one clip and then uh, have you comment on that before we get to the second clip. Uh, but uh, this is uh, Andy Stanley. He is the son of Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, this was not an area that Dr. Charles Stanley believed or, or preached, but here's Andy Stanley, clip number one. There's no necessary conflict between evolution and theism because evolution is a means. Theism says there was an agent. I'm going to stop it right there. Sure. Part of that's true. Theism says there was an agent. That agent, however, told us some details. He actually wrote some things mm-hmm. down in Genesis, so you can't just back up and take the big picture that God was involved, because God then goes further and tells us a lot of the specifics, and the specifics don't fit with evolution. So here's what he went on to say. The Genesis account of creation, the point of that isn't here's how God did it. The point of that is that God did it. And the reason we know that is because it stood in stark contrast to the Sumerian and the Babylonian and the Canaanite and the Egyptian creation myths. And in all of their myths, the gods just sort of appeared magically out of nowhere or they created themselves or they created each other. And then Yahweh says, hang on, uh uh-uh, I created it all out of nothing. I didn't use body parts, okay? I didn't, you know, split, you know, Tiamat in half and their lower half became the earth and the upper half became the heavens. I mean, that's foolishness. There's one God, I'm God, I did it. That's the point of the Genesis creation count. He's saying Genesis 1 did not tell us how God did it, but that he did it. Yeah, it's interesting when, again, using critical thinking skills, which is kind of a lost art these days, so Andy Stanley is saying, you got all these mythologies, and so the Bible comes along. God says, Moses, I want you to write some things down because there's all these mythologies out mm-hmm. there, these untrue things. I want people to know more about me and my creation, so let's make up other stories that aren't true and put those in there, and people are supposed to think that those untrue stories will tell you the truth about that I created. Why wouldn't God tell the actual truth? And he does. He not only says he created it, but he says... There was an evening and a morning, day one, evening and a morning, day two, and it's literal historical narrative. It's not poetry. He's saying it actually happened this way. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Our guest today is Jay Siegert, who is the founder and managing director for The Starting Point Project. Uh, His website, thestartingpointproject.com. We'll have some more discussion after the break, and a little bit later we'll be opening some phone lines as well, so be preparing your questions. We'll be back in one minute here on Crosstalk. There is no heartache equal to that of losing a loved one to suicide. Unanswered questions, despair, and perhaps self-blame can leave those behind with feelings of hopelessness. But true hope and help can be found in Christ alone. In the booklet Hope Beyond Despair, author Julie Gossick shares from personal experience how the truth of Scripture and the hope of the gospel can bring comfort to those who are living in the aftermath of suicide. She addresses what the Bible has to say on this issue and provides a lasting hope based on biblical principles. The book Hope Beyond Despair is available from VCY for a donation of $6 or three copies for a donation of $15. Just ask for Hope Beyond Despair when you call with your gift at 1-800-729-9829. You may also write VCY America, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Five three two zero eight. 
friends, in the last segment of Crosstalk, I read that open letter uh, that was put together, the Clergy Letter Project, that American Christian clergy have signed on. And believe it or not, they actually have a letter that is also available for rabbis to sign, one for Unitarian Universalists, one a, a Buddhist clergy letter, even a humanist clergy letter that have uh, been uh, adopted and, and signatories are, are coming on that as well. But sadly, there, there are churches across this nation that this coming Sunday, the Sunday closest to Charles Darwin's birthday, are celebrating what was once known as Evolution Sunday, now as Religion and Science Weekend. And friends, as you explore, oh, guess what? They've got all kinds of sermon starters that are available for pastors to know how to preach, you know, a series of promoting this topic of evolution. They put all the tools out there, Jay, in order to to uh, try and influence, you know, churches across this nation. We're speaking with Jay Siegert, founding, uh, founder and managing director for the Starting Point Project. I mean, Jay, there, there's just no end to what they're doing to try and uh, manipulate, uh, indoctrinate uh, this this influence upon churches across this nation. Sure. Uh, I believe it. it's just going to get worse, and it all really comes down to the authority of God's Word. Mm-hmm. So anything that would detract from the authority of God's Word is is fine by any group. And th- in this case, they're using the idea of evolution to say you can't really take the Bible for what it says because you've got to go to the scientists to learn the truth, and then whatever's left over in the Bible will let you have well, why even believe in the resurrection? Because scientists have proven people don't come back from the dead, maybe after 90 seconds or something, but not three days. So you'd have to reject the resurrection as well. But people say, well, yeah, but that was a miracle. And I'm thinking, you don't think creation was a miracle? Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, Jay, the, the letter states that evolution is a foundational scientific truth. They use those words. And and it makes one think that one has to, if if you want to accept science, that you have to accept evolution. Do we have to forsake science to be a Christian? No, Bill and I had a quote, and I'll just summarize it. He basically said, if you don't believe in evolution, you can't do science or engineering. It's, it's required. It's a synopsis of it. I share another quote in some of my talks from, I think it's Dr. Mark Kirshner. He's the founding uh, chair of systems biology at Harvard Medical School. Brilliant scientist. Mm-hmm. Bill Nye's an engineer and smart. He's not a scientist, but he's a smart guy. But this guy is a brilliant scientist. And he actually said, he listed off all these areas of science, including biology, microbiology, and all that. He said, all those have been conducted over the last hundred years, totally independent of evolution. It doesn't matter what these people believe about evolution. Their work has nothing to do with whether evolution is true, and that's very true. Evolution is not only not required to do science. Belief in evolution actually gets in the way. I'll just give one super quick example. Um, something called vestigial organs. Those are things supposedly in our bodies that are useless. They used to have a purpose, you know, millions of years ago in earlier stages of evolution, but now they're useless. Well, that's evidence for evolution. God wouldn't design you with stuff in your body hmm. that doesn't do anything. Scientists used to have a list of 86 things. So they say. Yeah. And um, they studied the list and they dwindled it down a little bit to zero. They found a use for everything, including the appendix. Uh, They said that was one of the best examples of evolution because it's useless today. Well, no, it's part of the immune system. Um, Can you live without your appendix? Yeah. You can also live without your arms. It doesn't mean they don't have a purpose. But it was belief in evolution to get, get them to yank it out of your body. It's useless. It's not doing anything. Just take it out. Whereas a creationist back then would have said, we might not fully understand it yet, mm-hmm. but we believe it was designed by God. Let's research further. So belief in creation drove better science. Belief in evolution got him to write it off and produce poor science. So a Christian does not need to deny science. No, not at all. In fact, the more you look at science, and again, there's two types of science. There's the operational science, which we do in the laboratory. We make cell phones, cure diseases. It's great stuff. No one's really debating that. Mm-hmm. The other is, is historical science involves things that happen in the unobserved past, like a Big Bang, origin of the universe, origin of life, things that we didn't see and we have to guess at. That's historical science. That's where the tension is because it involves a lot of guesses and assumptions. So uh, if you believe in creation, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in cell phone technology. It just means right. you have a different idea of what happened in the unobserved past. Yeah, and I find it also interesting, Jay, because you're serving as president of an organization that is the world's largest group of scientists who are Christians and biblical creationists. And I'm guessing that this covers all the disciplines of science. Yeah, and uh, two of the guys who founded the group, I, I took over for one of them as president, Dr. John Sanford. He's from Cornell University, a professor there. He was an atheist for mm-hmm. much of his life. 
He's famous for having invented the gene gun. Inserts genes into the DNA. Worldwide famous for that brilliant scientist. He's a very strong Christian. <laughs> and then Dr. John Baumgartner, PhD geophysicist. He's built the world's best 3D computer simulation of plate tectonics. And even secular geologists use that model to see how plates of the earth are moving. So brilliant, brilliant world's leading scientists who are Christians and creationists. Why are we losing this in our churches today? Uh, I think we just we've watered things down. There's a lot of biblical illiteracy amongst people attending. They typically want to come and hear topical things, how to have a better marriage and manage anger and raise your children. And those are good things to address in a church, but not week after week, month after month, year after year. Um, they're not really going through Scripture itself and teaching. We need to go here for our truth rather than bring your beliefs to church and we'll we'll fit them in somewhere, which is typically what's happening more often now than being concerned about what does it actually say. There's also a problem, I believe, in raising a generation of pastors today out of our Bible colleges and universities that don't respect the authority of God's Word, and they are being indoctrinated themselves and then influencing the churches that they're going to minister to. Well, yeah, in turn, they, you know, coming out of the seminaries and they're becoming pastors of churches or moving into Christian universities and teaching, and they're teaching, in particular like Genesis, there are different views out there. They're really smart brilliant people on all sides and it really doesn't matter we shouldn't it's too divisive too contentious we shouldn't be worrying about we're just here to focus on jesus so you're right off the book of genesis which every major doctrine we believe as christians that is founded in the book of genesis you write that off you lose your basis for even the gospel message and then again we're spending a lot of extra money to send our kids to christian universities which some good things will happen there, but they're also taught that, well, there are some missing pieces of the Bible. There are a few errors and contradictions, but a lot of it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thankful for those that are, you know, that are holding firm to the authority of scriptures and several under our listening area right now uh, that that would fall into that uh, uh, that camp. And so grateful for like Faith Baptist Bible College and Maranatha Baptist University. And we think of uh, one of our affiliates, Pensacola Christian College, who was walking the line in Appalachian Bible College and, and others who are standing firm, and and uh, really, we need to get behind institutions like this, Faith Baptist Bible College as well. Yeah, we definitely need to support them. There are fewer and fewer of them, but they're, they are holding the line on the mm-hmm. authority of God's Word, and that's the only thing that's going to help us. Amen. Well, friends, I'm going to open our phone lines, give you opportunity if you have a question you'd like to ask of our guest today, Jay Seeger, our number 800-733-9829. That's one 800 733-9829. This coming Sunday, there are churches across this nation that will be celebrating Darwin's birthday uh, in their Religion and Science Weekend, or Evolution Weekend, taking place. And uh, they are going to promote the principles of of evolution, uh, even in church services. And uh, friends, you need to be on guard. Does your church, are they faithful to upholding the authority of Scriptures? If they're not faithful to the Scriptures, friends, it's, in my opinion, time to find a new church. Find one that is going to be faithful to upholding the authority of the Scripture itself. Jay, uh, you are—you mentioned, uh, I mean, you just came from the uh, the East Coast of the United States. You, you go—you hold these Grand Canyon tours as well in Arizona. You're all over the country, several countries around the world as well. How is your message being received? It's actually being received extremely well. People are hungry. They want to know they can trust something. And a lot of Christians want to trust the Bible, but they think there are many reasons not to, and so they're very hesitant to reference it. So they get into a, a debate of a social issue, whether it's transgenderism or abortion, and they say something about their beliefs, and the person instantly says, you got to leave your religion out of this, meaning you got to leave the Bible out of this. But as soon as we do that, we're toast because it's our only foundation but they're not in a good position to be able to defend that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, so they willingly leave it out versus uh, hearing that they can trust in it. So as I travel around and speak, people get really fired up that, wow, he can really trust everything in the Bible, even the, quote, silly flood story in creation. There's so much evidence for it which then gives them more confidence to, in turn, go out and very graciously share the gospel message. Amen. Well, friends, we're going, our lines are packed here, so we're going to write to the phone calls. Uh, write down the number, though, it's 800-733-9829. And to get to Jay's website, he's got many, many, many materials there and uh, videos to be watched right online there as well, uh, thestartingpointproject.com. That's thestartingpointproject.com. We're going to begin in Bloomington, Illinois. We have Greg calling in. Hi, Greg. You're on the air. Hi, Jim. Uh, hi, Jay. Uh, 
Jay, I don't know if you remember me or not. I went on a trip with you a few years ago with a Grand Canyon trip, so it's nice to hear from you. Sure. Thanks for um, calling in. I, yeah, I highly recommend the Grand Canyon trip, but I'm not sure if you're doing that anymore. Oh, yeah, six this uh, year. <laughs> oh, that's all. Okay, yeah. easy year then. Yeah. Um, I have uh, two uh, comments, actually. Um, whenever someone says to me that, you know, if I'm debating or, you know, discussing creation versus evolution, and they say, come on now, we, we all know that uh, the Earth is, you know, billions of years old, the universe is billions of years old, we all evolved from an ape-like creature. I, I respond with, well, I know that is what we were taught, but that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. That's just something that I use. And then also something that, uh, this may be something, you're, you're probably aware of this already, but uh, something I, uh, that seems to get a lot of people is the speed of light. And the uh, discussion that, you know, if we're, if the speed of light, you know, if, if a certain star is billions of years old or billions of light years away, then the, the universe must be quite young. And I would suggest that they uh, look into the work of Barry Setterfield, who, done ex- who has done extensive work on the speed of light decreasing in speed and uh, over time. And at the time of creation, the speed of light, the, the evidence is showing that the speed of light is actually, was actually millions of times faster than it is now. So that is in perfect alignment with a, a young universe. Greg, thanks for the call. We're going to have Jay comment here. Go ahead, Jay. Sure. Um, two things going on. One, it's very good when someone makes a statement, they're often making these what we call truth claims. Like we all know say, that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows that evolution's a fact. There's Big Bang. We've evolved from an ape like creature. My advice is before you jump on them and say, well, you're wrong and here's what's right, is you get clarification. Well, how do you know there was a Big Bang? Like, what? Tell me more about this. Like, what actually exploded or expanded? If you keep asking follow-up questions, it doesn't take long for the person making the claims to realize, okay, they made some bold claims, but they don't have specifics. Like, again, you know, evolution, how do you know it's a fact? Well, all scientists believe it. How do you know all scientists believe it? Mm -hmm. Well, all the real scientists believe it. How do you define a real scientist? Well, anyone who believes in evolution, they're a real scientist. Mm. And we got circular reasoning going right, on there. Right. But, but why do you believe it? Well, there's evidence from every area of science that backs it up. Could you give me some examples? Well, there's tons. I don't need tons. One sure. or two would be good. And again, you keep asking these questions, you find out they don't really have the specifics. That's just what they've been taught. The other topic, very quickly, um, speed age, of of, age of the universe and speed of light and all that. Fascinating topic. It, it takes too much time to do it justice, but... There are many ways to explain how light could get from these distant stars in a shorter period of time. One, Barry Setterfield, he actually sent me his initial work years ago. I read through it. It's fascinating. They're still exploring that as a possibility, but there are others that have to do with how gravity affects uh, time, which is time dilation is fascinating, and it's consistent with general relativity and Einstein's theory there. So we have creationists, creationists have many models that could potentially explain how light that so far away could get here in a short period of time. Great. Thank you for the call. We are up against a break. Jay Siegert is our guest today. We're going to take the break and we'll come back to more of your phone calls here on Crosstalk, our number 800-733-9829. Jay's website, thestartingpointproject.com, thestartingpointproject.com. We'll be back in just one minute here on the VCY American Network. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. In my second book that came out in 1995, I had an entire chapter on something known as the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. By UN, obviously, that's the United Nations. In that book, I was warning about a global treaty that many nations were signing on to that would destroy the God-given parental authority we have so enjoyed here in America. Many nations have signed on to it. America is one of the last nations not to do so. Well, over the years, I've been warning that it looks like the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child is being implemented piecemeal by many state legislatures as they undermine parental authority. The latest, Montana CPS takes 14-year-old girl to Wyoming for gender transition, so-called, against her parents' wishes. 
Sadly, we are seeing the globalists accomplish their goal of attacking God-given parental authority. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Our guest today, Jay Segret from the Starting Point Project. We'll get out his website here again before the close of the program, so make sure you're ready to write it down. But we're going right back to the phone lines and holding the longest, Jason in Waukesha. Jason, you're on the air. Oh, hello. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I've got a question for you. Um, so <clears throat> I actually was a uh, lecturer at university in Southeast Asia, and one of the things that we're taught as we learn to do research is that valid, valid research, and specifically valid scientific research, is supposed to be accurate, valid, and reproducible, the key word being reproducible. And what I've found here with this theory of evolution, so to speak, it's a theory, first of all, it has a lot of holes in it. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was in Australia, uh, from memory, the, uh, they found, archaeologists found uh, remains of, I think they call it Homo naledi, and they're, they've been bat- batting around whether or not, under the theory of evolution, this could be our most distant so-called ancestors and so forth. But, but the thing is, it keeps changing. Every time that they think, uh, you know, these people who believe that evolution is a fact, the, it keeps changing. And that's not valid and reproducible. I was just wondering if you could add anything to that, because I think that kind of shows right there that, this is a theory. It is not a fact, and it should certainly be taught as such Thank that you. it is not a fact. Thank you, Jason. Sure. Uh, technically, you won't go there. Technically, it doesn't even qualify as a theory, but being painfully brief, I was referring to Homo naledi, and summing up this whole ape-man thing, every single ape-man they've ever found or ever will find was either really just an ape that they tried to make look more human, or it was really human that they tried to make look more ape-like, or it was a hybrid or a mix of the two, of some bone, human bones and, and ape bones put together, sometimes far fraudulently. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they discover something, they said, this definitely proves evolution, and then they're willing to, to admit they were wrong about the other ones, but then even the current one is disproven, but they won't say anything about it until they discover another one, and they say, oh, yeah, well, that last one is wrong too, but it doesn't matter because we got this one, and it keeps changing and changing. And changing. Yeah, he used the term reproducible yeah. know, here as well. And we can't reproduce what yeah, they're science saying. Yeah, science has to, if it's, you can't reproduce something, it's technically not scientific. Thanks for the call. Bridgeport, West Virginia. Al, you're on the air. Hey, Brother Jim. Thanks for taking my call today. Uh, you know what? Um, it's The Big Bang Theory is just this. God clapped his hands. Okay? He just clapped his hands. There you go. And he, hey, listen, it, we're not millions of years old, I don't think. I think we're just thousands of years old, um, you know, but uh, we do know the Lord created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's in his word, and I, and I believe that. Yeah. But, uh, Brother Jay, I wanted to ask you, um, some reason or another, I, I don't know if I heard this or I'm making this up in my mind, uh, that Darwin on his deathbed called out to God. Is that right? Uh, a lot of people say Darwin changed his mind on his deathbed. Um, nice story. There's no evidence. The evidence actually shows the opposite. He did not recant his theory, and even if he did, it wouldn't mean uh, evolution is wrong. It would just mean one guy changed his mind, but there's no evidence that actually happened. Great. Thank you for the call, Al. And it was not God clapping his hands. God spoke. Yes, God <laughs> said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Brian, in Hebron, Kentucky, you're on the air. Yeah, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. I love this topic. I tell you, about 15 years ago, I first became a believer, and I never really heard much of creationism, and I just asked the Lord to, to teach me your truth. And uh, 15 years later, here I am, I'm working at Answers in Genesis, so I just love all all the creation guys that are out there teaching the truth and, and just telling us all about God's Word. So thank you, Jay. I appreciate your ministry, and Appreciate you, Jim, at VCY, too, at Crosstalk. Thank you. God bless you, Brian. Thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad not to be a Lone Ranger. There's a lot of other organizations out there doing great work. Yeah, and uh, thank you for your work there at Answers. Let's go to uh, Therese in Milwaukee. You're on the air. Um, hi. I, I just wanted to say that uh, <clears throat> I'm a scientist and a Christian. I've been studying this uh, topic for probably over 40 years, and I can tell you that um, as a Hebrew scholar, Every single answer that every one of you is looking for scientifically is in the scriptures. And we have to remember 
that the people that are laughing at the Bible, you know, God puts out all of his truth. And the only way that people uh, can really see the truth is when they're in relationship with him and he chooses to reveal things. Hmm. As a scientist, um, I have got numerous, I, I'm an anthropologist uh, by training, but I also have training in microbiology, um, all kinds of uh, chemistry, advanced chemistry and mathematics. And I can tell you every one of those, um, <clears throat> every one of those disciplines is supported in scripture. For instance, every one of the Hebrew letters also uh, corresponds to the periodic table of the elements. And there are amazing chemical reactions going on all throughout the Bible. Hmm. I mean, that's just, that's not even scratching the surface of what's out there. So I would encourage people also to remember that the definition of a scientist is someone that follows scientific method and absolutely not uh, just because they believe in evolution. As a matter of fact, God did not use evolution. There's a perfectly good explanation why an age of rocks, per se, might be completely different than the age of humans, which is relatively by the Y chromosome distribution, about 6,000 years old. Great. Thank you for the call. I know you could go on longer, but uh, we're down to 90 seconds, and Jay, want you to have a response here as well. Yeah, I mean, everything is in, in the Bible. Not every minute detail scientifically. The Bible doesn't tell us that the mass of an electron is 9.1 times 10 to negative 31st kilograms. That wasn't the point, but it gives us a framework to properly understand mm -hmm. and interpret science and my last comment would be, I agree also, we're dealing with a spiritual issue. So when someone is uh, arguing with a biblical viewpoint, we don't need to just throw more facts at them because they're going to interpret the facts differently based on their starting point. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual issue. We need to introduce them to Christ and then their eyes will be slowly opened. Great. Thank you so much for your call here today. We're out of time. Jay Siegert is our guest, but 30 seconds. Why does all of this matter? It all matters because there was a definite beginning. And there is a plan for the end. God created everything. It got messed up. He had a plan to fix it. Christ came, and Christ is coming back. We have indications that could be happening soon. Hmm. Uh, whether it's soon or not, he is coming back, and we are going to be accountable to our Creator. And it makes more sense that when we stand before him, he's going to judge us based on his standards and not based on whatever we made up. Friends, John seventeen seventeen says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jay, we can depend upon it. Definitely. Hmm. Cover to cover. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Jay Siegert, our guest here today on Crosstalk, founder and managing director for the Starting Point Project. And friends, you can sign up, get his monthly newsletter, uh, check out videos that are on his website, uh, stay abreast of so many different issues. He addresses a number of current issues, as well as uh, addressing uh, many different scientific issues here as well. But uh, check it out. The website is thestartingpointproject.com. thestartingpointproject.com. God bless you, friends. Thanks so much for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208, or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk.